Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets. What's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. This is the second of our shows looking at the outlook for 2010. And telling us what's going to happen first is an old favourite of the show, Bob Hoy. Bob's a veteran market historian. He writes pivotal events, a succinct and witty weekly market overview in which, as well as recommending trades, he also pokes fun and undermines many of the prognosticators out there. Find out more at institutionaladvisors.com. Bob, welcome back. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. I'm not so sure it's going to be a happy new year. What, what do you think? <laughs> Dominic, it's so good to be with you. And uh, I think we can look around next year. Uh, we are, of course, from the top in a long post-bubble contraction, of which we've had a fabulous uh, initial rebound out of uh, a post-bubble, the first crash. So, and we think that this has sort of became tired in October as far as the big stock markets go. And we're in what we could call technically a rolling top where it's rather subtle as it rolls over. There's been a tremendous rally in, in uh, commodities, base metals, uh, that sort of thing. The energy side has been good, but we're now into probably a seasonal decline for crude oil. And now that the first blast of cold winter has hit North America, uh, there's probably a seasonal decline for natural gas ahead. Okay. Um, these are kind of, when you say seasonal declines, the, you're talking about kind of one, two, three monthly trades. Yeah, into, into January, perhaps for the for the energies. And uh, on uh, the base metals, for example, I think they're due for a pretty good sell-off here, perhaps into January, and we could sort of loosely call that a seasonal low. And then you usually get a seasonal rebound into March, and that's about as far as we want to look forward to. Earlier in the year, you were kind of following the 1929 uh, model in that you had the boom, then you had the crash, then you had the rebound, and then you had the long drawn out decline, uh, yeah. in which you basically saw everything except gold stocks uh, getting hammered. Are, are you still following that same model? Well, you can. It's it's the good times have lasted uh, a month, a couple of months longer than expected. We thought the rebound would run six months from the low in March, that gets you out to September. And then, as I said, we're in probably developing a, a rolling top. Now, the, uh, the that rebound included a tremendous <clears throat> rally in corporate bonds and a tremendous narrowing of spreads. And that has continued until this week where we now have a sell signal on the corporate bond market, which will be most interesting because that was the one side that was giving a lot of support to the market. And the other thing is that uh, 
we're on gold, it's now becoming a little oversold, and we think we can get the next rally up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the U.S. dollar will sell off immensely. There are times, for example, when copper can rally, and it doesn't need a weakening dollar for it to go up. It's, it's uh, economic demand, and in this case, it's investment demand for gold that will be driving it. And uh, as it is one of the most liquid items out there, I mean, the, uh, the most liquid, of course, uh, alternative is, would be US, uh, the treasury bills in the senior currency, which is the U.S. dollar. And so this is, this is well, there's a probability that gold could continue to rise in nominal terms despite uh, a dollar being steady to firmer relative to most other currencies. So, yeah, it happened in 2004, I think, 2004, 2005. Yeah. Then, as you know, we have the, our, we're still the main ones that continue to watch the real price of gold, and um, we do that um, by dividing it by our own commodity index. And when that index is going up, it means that gold is outperforming the cost of mining it, because in the index you've got this power. Power is represented by energy costs and crude oil and things like that. So we've had a, a, a tremendous increase in the real price of gold from its cyclical low in May of 07, when our index got down to 143. And then it turned nicely as the credit markets made their turn to eventually disaster, and then it got up to over 500 in February, just before the crash ended in early March. And then we thought with the rebound, the real price of gold would go down, and it went down to 310 in late August, established the uptrend in September, and has continued up to 400, which is rather good. But it's also, like we think in May of 07, beginning to anticipate the return of problems to the financial market. So... Uh, but in the meantime, it's doing wonders for the in representing an improving trend for profitability in mining. Would you be buying um, junior miners now, or would you wait for this correction to uh, continue? Well, we've seen a few of them. We can't play, uh, monitor or trade them all, and some of them in the last couple of months have had very good moves, enough such that any trader would have been coming out of them. But ideally, if there's a sell-off here, in uh, some of the juniors and midland-sized companies with a decline in the general stock market, we think it would provide a tremendous opportunity because uh, we've seen the have good markets for the senior companies. We've seen uh, very good markets for some of the midland-sized producers. And then it's been our experience that usually the loss in the game to go up would be the out-and-out exploration companies, the juniors there. But this, we think that the beginning in the first quarter, the rise in the real price will then drive most of the gold stocks up. And then you're, I think you'll be poised for just a fabulous market for junior exploration stocks. As a matter of fact, from time to time, we wonder if it may not be like in 1994, which was an important low for the, uh, for the tech stocks. And they're all juniors at that time, and then away they went to a fabulous market. So this is the time to be uh, doing your research on some of the junior exploration stocks and, and getting positioned. So you're, you're talking not junior producers, late stage development. You're talking pro explorer, explorer. That, that's right. That's right. As I say, <clears throat> it's, 
it's usually the last, you, you got to have a lot of confidence in the whole gold sector, starting with the the big ones and then starting with the medium-sized producers and then starting with the me, uh, smaller producers. And then eventually you get a market with enough confidence that you can get some terrific moves in exploration stocks. And it can become a, a market sector itself, exploration. And I think that, that's ahead of us. Oh, well, it would be very nice if it happens. Now, y- you'll be well aware, y- you you I'm sure you and and your colleague Ross, uh, who sends out some excellent charts, will have studied uh, this pattern in gold that we've seen since about 2000, where we see a kind of a nice move up that lasts six or nine months. Then we have a period of consolidation that lasts a year to 18 months and another move up. And each move up uh, has had, slap bang in the middle, a whopping great 10% correction. And... I have a kind of theory that we're enjoying a, a, a move up, uh, one of these six to nine month moves up in gold. And what we've just experienced this last fortnight is that whopping 10% mid-move correction. W- would you agree with that theory? Oh, yes, Dominic, right on. And as I said, our some of our technical stuff on gold as of Friday kicked in as being uh, rather oversold. So sometime within the next few trading days, uh, a good low for a gold could be in and followed by yet another rally. And also I'd like to mention my technical colleague, Ross, last seminar came up with the, the model such that I think going above 690 would really get it launched, and then it might churn around 1,000 for some time. And then once it broke up beyond 1,000, it would be a, a very real move. And as I said, for a real bull market in gold, it's got to be moving up relative to most currencies. So... Nice stuff. Excellent. And um, so, okay, my granny, what should my granny be doing with her money here? (laughs) Granny should be lightening up in most general equities. It has been a very good game. The stock market using the Dow did a 50% retracement. And in 1930, the Dow did a 50% retracement of the previous loss. Granny should really be getting to be selling uh, corporate bonds, the uh, high-yield corporate bonds. The trip has been fabulous. Uh, for example, junk was le- yielding 42% in, uh, in, the, in the crash that ended in March, and it's uh, up here now. Come all the way down to 13.5%. The price appreciation has been fabulous. The returns have been fabulous, and it's time to lighten up in that department in short term. So, And then... If if Granny really has some imagination, she could be accumulating on weakness some choice uh, exploration stocks. Okay, so I'll put Granny into an exploration play in Burkina Faso. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to love it. Okay. All right. Well, Bob, uh, thanks very much for your time and uh, have a happy new year. And um, why don't you give out your website in case people want to find out more about what you do? Yeah, Dominic, it's institutionaladvisors.com, or actually, I've found recently, just Google my name, Bob Hoy, B-O-B-H-O-Y, it gets into our website. There's uh, some historical stuff in there. There's some uh, page, what we call humor, with uh, some cartoons that we've uh, had drawn up over the years, and we invite anybody to look at it, and uh, there's something in there for most any investor, whether you're a 
a trader or a long-term investor, whether you're in fixed income or equities or whatever. So and it's always good to talk, Dominic. Excellent stuff. Well, happy Christmas and happy New Year, and we'll talk uh, in 2010. Very good, and all the best for the season you. You're listening to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee at frisbeesbullsandbears.com. Next up, an old favourite of Frisbee's Bulls and Bears, he is Dave Skarika. Dave writes the newsletter Addicted to Profits. He's spoken at many conferences. He has two books published with a third on the way. And he has a very nice life. Thank you very much. Living in the Bahamas. Dave, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing quite well. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Only quite well. <laughs> what was the weather like today? Um, actually, you know, we've been, this has been... You know, with all the madness in Copenhagen, I don't want to get them too too excited, but it's been a very hot uh, winter. And it, usually the winter chills down about the mid-20s, but it's been about 30 degrees every day. So I can't complain too much. There you go. It's all true. Everything they say, it's all true. Now, <laughs> so um, I'm on an island, so I'll be underwater in 30 years, I guess. <laughs> um, well, I live by the River Thames, so I guess I'll be under first. But uh, <laughs> at, least, at least your water's hotter than mine. <laughs> But um, now tell us what's going to happen in, in 2010. I, I always like talking to you because you're more, a lot of newsletter writers are very bearish, but you tend to, take, uh, tend to be more bullish. But what, what's going to happen next year? I actually think, the mar- if I'm correct, the market will actually top next year. I, I, I don't think we'll see a crash or another huge leg down or anything like that. But see, I've been comparing this period to kind of the late 30s or the mid 70s or uh, 1907 and 1909 in that we had a big bust in 2008, which is similar to the 07 or 37, 38 or 73, 74 bear market. And those were followed about one to two year bull markets and then by another bear market, which followed. But in each case, the bear market, which followed was much more subdued than the crash, like the, the very vicious bear market, which was in all three of those cases, the bear market was about 50%. So what I think is that if you look at what happened in 74, 75, for example, or 75, 76, 75 was like this year. There was a huge move off the bottom. The market rallied 50, 60% off the bottom, recovered a lot of the gains. And then 76, which is I think 2009 will be like, was more of a very small move upwards, like 5, 10%. The market topped and then it kind of rolled over into uh, 1977. So that's what I think is going to happen here. I think we'll see, you know, maybe the S&P go up to thirteen or you know, 1,200 next year, top out there, and then begin another uh, bear market. And that bear market will probably be caused by rising interest rates and rising inflation. And uh, what about gold? What, what do you think of gold? How did gold do in 1976? Uh, well, gold actually, see, was a little different then because what happened in the 70s rally was that gold – went opposite to the market. In the 73-74 bear market, gold went up to $200 an ounce. It pulled back during that rally. Of course, now we haven't seen that. We've seen gold moving up with the market here as of late. My opinion is that we're going to enter a bigger breakout for gold. Technically speaking, gold should continue rallying into the spring at thirteen or 1400 and that would fit what happened 
at the 2005 and 2006 and 2008 peaks. But I got a feeling because of all the money printing and uh, the quantitative easing and you know the U.S. dollar's weakness after maybe a short-term uh, rally here, that we might be in a larger breakout for gold, which would take gold up to about 2,000. Now, I think once that large breakout completes itself, we're going to see a good 30 to 40% correction from those prices. So we might go to 2,000 and back to you know, 13 or 1,400 based there before the next move. So, But I definitely think that gold will move to 1,400, 1,500 in 2009. We've talked about this before, gold's habit of making a six to nine month up move, then consolidating yeah. for a year or two, and then making the next six to nine month up move. And in each of those six to nine months up moves, there's been a, a killer 10% correction slap bang in the middle. And, and you know, if this 10% correction that we've just had, uh, you know, at the end of last week, um, that that kind of fits the script and that that gives us our $1,400 gold. But there are other gold bugs who I've been talking to. And proper, you know, think gold's eventually going to $10,000, who are calling, you know, a major intermediate term top, and we're going to go down to, I don't know, $800 or something. No, I, I don't think so. I think the break above 1000 was a really key psychological and technical breakout that um, I think now that 1000 to 1100 area is major support and will hold. And I think that on the fundamental side, the Indians buying, central bank buying, the Indian central bank was a huge, huge, uh, I guess, like you could say, support to the market. Because I told people that whenever gold gets down to that level now, I think there's a, a whole bunch of, especially the emerging markets, special banks, a whole bunch of buyers down there in those levels. So I don't see it really going down that that far. But I agree in terms of, this is like just that 10% rally. I was looking for this, or 10% decline. I was looking for this decline to get back to the 50-day moving average. And if you look at gold, the 50-day moving average is about 1,104 right now. And, of course, we got down to about 1,113. So we're pretty close to that. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we go a little lower, maybe 1,100. But I'm kind of looking for this to kind of just be a short-term de uh, decrease before the next move up. And I think the thing is, Usually when something becomes too widely believed, it ends up being wrong. And I think the problem is too many people are just looking for this rally into the spring, gold to start at, you know, or to peak out of 1400 and then for one of those 18-month uh, consolidations. Yeah, to... I know. I know. I do know what you mean. That story's kind of too many people know that story now. Yeah, I, I agree. So I think what's going to happen is we may continue to – this might – see, I think we're in stage two of the gold uh, bull markets. Stage one kind of was like most of the 2000s we were coming off at the bottom. And stage two tends to be the longest and strongest in terms of percentage gain and length of time. So we might, I think we might see a rally that's stronger than people think. And I think if we're looking for the guys, you know, we always hear from these gold bugs and the doom and gloomers. You got guys like John Paulson called the subprime meltdown. He's setting up a gold fund right now. And he's got 15% of his, you know, his his uh, mainstay hedge fund in gold bullion. So when you see guys like that really getting into gold, that has to have you kind of sit up and think, like, wow, this this could be really the start of something else. And I think right now, in terms of the the demand side, the public is now just saying, hey, things are wrong here, and they're looking at gold. But I don't think the mass public is still in at all. So. It's interesting. I was just reading Treasure Island to my children this evening, and um, 
the the I don't know if you know the story of Treasure Island, but it's Very set well. in okay, so it's set in the 18th century, and it starts with the old um, buccaneer walking into the Admiral Benbow Inn and throwing three gold coins on the table, and he tells the landlord, "Let me know when that runs out," uh, and th and then he stayed there for. Um, a long period of time, many months. Now, three gold coins, which you can assume is, say, three gold sovereigns, which would be three quarters of an ounce, which is, you know, I don't know, 500 pounds, 700, $800, say, um, yeah. or 900. How long would that last you if you were staying in a hotel now? You know, four or five nights, maybe, depending on the quality of the hotel. So, so historically, gold is still cheap. No, and I think they always say, too, that gold will buy you a nice suit, right? Well, a nice custom-made suit is going to be in the thousand to fifteen hundred dollar range, or closer to fifteen. So, you know, we're still undervalued by those terms yeah. as well. So, no, I, I I would agree with you that. And remember, of course, what another thing the gold bugs all toss around. And I agree with this: is that the inflation adjusted high in gold from nineteen eighty is like twenty three hundred dollars or something. So. Yeah. Or only half of that inflation adjusted high. I've got an even better one than that. Uh, forget the inflation adjusted high. Uh, look at the ratio of the U.S. gold hold holdings to their external debt. It, it's and like okay. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's north of thirteen thousand dollars. That gives you a gold price off. And, and there's a million things like, of course, you look at the Dow to gold ratio, which is about eight to one, nine to one right now. Yeah. And historically, like in 1932 or 1980, like at the major gold tops or stock market bottoms, that's in the one to one, one and a half to one, maybe two to one range. So, yeah. again, that's actually where these guys call for $10,000 gold as while they may seem like nut bars. They actually are on to something because if if I'm right and the Dow isn't going to tank and it's just going to be a big trading range in the next 10 years, you know, that's about where it should go. But what people have to realize is that the last moving goal from 79 to 80 went from like 280 to over 800 in a year. And then it came back crashing down to 300 with about two to three years after that. So it's like it's not like it's going to go to 10,000 and sit there for five years. It's going to go to it's going to be the Nasdaq at five thousand. It's going to go there, sit there for a nanosecond, and then collapse back to three or four thousand or whatever the next uh, low is in, in in the market, right? So, and of course, it's like to quote our friend Mark Faber: if they print enough money, you know, the Dow could go to a trillion and gold could go to a trillion. So, <laughs> You're you tempting know? to do my, tempting me to do my. I'm going to I'll publicly do my Mark Faber impression for the first time ever. <laughs> What is Ben Bernanke doing? He's money printing. He's printing money. He's living from a helicopter. We are. There is going to be a war. There we go. <laughs> um, uh, Dominic does that with me all the time. It makes me howl. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, Dave, when we spoke in the um, in the autumn, we we did your three best tips, and one of them was natural gas. That turned out to be a nice short term trade. Uh, it went up quickly and then came back down again but uh, if you were to make three trades now or in early 2010 what would they be um i think my number one trade right now is i actually did an article in march of 2009 called three trades for 2009 and beyond and they were actually buying tata motors the indian car maker which was okay. 350 at the time it's now 15 dollars. so obviously was, that's not how much was it three dollars and fifty cents right Brilliant. yeah and and Marvel Comics, which was $23, is now over 53 Okay. And the other one, which hasn't moved, so I guess this is my trade for 2010 and beyond, 
was going short the U.S. long bond. Now, I'm up a little bit on that trade, like 5 to 10%. I bought the TVT, which is the double inverse long bond short ETF in the yeah. States, at about $44, $45. And now it's about 48 today. But from my historical research, and if people sign up for uh, my free letter, I actually uh, posted stuff about historical researches and bear market rallies and that sort of thing. But from my historical research, um, Basically, I think the long bond completed its first bear market rally, the rally from June to October. And we've seen a topping uh, time frame from October to early December, and we're now going to begin to roll over. So I actually like going short the long bond or long, you know, going long short the long bond. Okay. <laughs> so so I, I like basically shorting the long bond here. Okay. So that's, that's trade number one. That's trade number one. I think trade number two, even though it's got a, obviously a breakout, is is the precious metals. And I think the smaller junior type stocks, and in our interview back in August when I was in London, we talked about some of these undervalued companies. You're still seeing the last attack loss. Because remember, people still had gain, or it's huge losses on some of these things that they own them you know, from two, three years ago. So you're going to see some stocks nice and depressed uh, you know, because of this. And the junior stocks are still depressed from their all-time highs. So I think uh, uh, junior stocks with resources, expanding those resources that can raise money or near production, I think that would be number two. And I think number three would, again, be the gold and precious metals trade, that if I'm right, we see a big breakout here, that all the ratios of XAU or HUI to gold are still quite cheap, and it's showing that the gold stocks are still cheap compared to the metal. So say we got to move up theoretically, to $1,400 in gold. If you look at the historical topping ratios, the HUI, which is about 450 right now as we're speaking, mm-hmm. it should be at about eight to 900 on that kind of move at a top. So you're talking like that, that kind of move is like 30% higher in gold, but it's 50, 60, maybe even as much as 100% higher in the stock. So I guess my three trades are short the long bond. Uh, I look at some of these junior stocks. And look at uh, look at you know still some of the larger gold and precious metal stocks, and always wait for corrections. I actually did a little study recently, and from the beginning of 2008 to to now, there have been eight corrections in these gold stocks of 10% or greater. And just you know, the major stock market, Dallas and P, that sort of thing. Historically, there's a 10% correction every three years. So this tells us how volatile these companies are. That you know. What, what it would take the stock market 20 years to do, they do in two years in terms yeah. of corrections. So always wait to buy on dips. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The worst thing you can do with juniors is chase them up. Yeah, worst thing, yeah. yeah. Well, Dave, it's been a real pleasure. And um, your uh, website is addictedtoprofits.net. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a very well-written newsletter. It's, it's a very technical perspective, and uh, it's one of the better ones. So I would recommend people to read it. And uh, thanks very much, and uh, we'll see you again. We'll talk to you again in 2010. For sure. Thank you. Good stuff. You're listening to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee at frisbeesbullsandbears.com.
Well, up next we have Frank Barbera. Frank is editor of the weekly newsletter The Gold Stock Technician. Frank's technical work on gold and gold stocks is considered among the best in the industry. He's spoken at a number of investment conferences. He's been quoted widely in the financial press and is known to many for his many excellent appearances on the Financial Sense News Hour. He's also managed private equity capital for a number of years, most notably for the Los Angeles-based Caruso Fund. Frank, it's a real pleasure to be talking to you now. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Um, what's in store for us in 2010? Well, thank you very much for having me. And well, Dominic, uh, lo- looking ahead at next year, um, I-, I think we're going to be heading into a very difficult environment once again. Um, and a lot of people um, hearing that type of thought, you know, it would it would kind of get them a little puzzled because if you read through the headlines right now, what you're really hearing. Um, is the idea that things are getting better. We had an employment report just recently here in the States um, that had an important uptick, and uh, President Obama came out and said, you know, things are starting to improve. Um, If you read through the headlines in the paper, that's been the message now for a couple of months. I really think that uh, if you look carefully at that economic data, you'll find that um, it's really riddled um, with falsehoods. And especially, for example, if you look at the employment report, um, heavy seasonal adjustment was really responsible for um, the uptick that we saw in November um, and and really more people falling off the unemployment uh, claims uh, was really the reason. If you look at the labor force, the labor force shrank abruptly and has been shrinking uh, dramatically for the last three to four months. So what's happening is people are coming off the, employ- the unemployment uh, claims. They're losing their claims. They're exhausting their claims, and and they're really dropping off the rolls. And and so that's not a good thing. That's people without an income. That's people um, not having found a job. But in the strange way that the data is computed, it's showing up as an improvement, which is quite warped. Um, but that's basically um, what's happening in the employment area. If you look around a lot of the other data, uh, it's, it's a bounce is basically what it looks like. You've had uh, some inventory replenishment, uh, but on a broad basis, I don't see a turn in housing. I don't see a turn in autos. Um, confidence looks basically very shaky, and I think we're heading into another major recession, another double dip, if, if you will. We've, it's true that we had enough of a bounce to maybe separate these two, these two recessions um, so that one will be labeled as the first recession, and I think what will come next is the second recession. Um, but I think you're really looking at one big, giant recession. It'll Technically, it'll be a double dip with the second dip in front of us. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's basically a, the same horrible, um, very, very difficult environment that we've been in. Um, as we're speaking today, um, the equity market here in the United States, the S&P 500, is trading around 1100 I believe that the stock market is fully priced um, and, and is really at the exhaustion point of this multi-month rally. Uh, so I think when we look ahead at next year, 2010, um, I think the first few months of the year 
um, the equity market will decline sharply. Quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, a nasty decline in the last two weeks of this year, 2009, uh, in the S&P and in the broad stock market indices of the major countries. So uh, I think we're really heading into some very difficult um, times. It's it's interesting. Firstly, just your kind of comment on the general feeling in the States, just comparing it to over here in, in I, I live in London. You'd never know anything had gone wrong. I mean, it, it's I, I was out in Covent Garden, which is kind of in the center of town last night. And it was it, to, to my complete shock. I mean, it was just, there's just so many people and so many. Sh- but then there are so many people. But then you kind of look beyond the people and you just see all all over the place shops closing down chain shores going bust so i i think we're a little bit behind you in the in the kind of curve that that is happening in in los angeles as well i can't speak for other parts of the country but i can tell you that in los angeles some of the larger streets um all kinds of shops have closed um, there's a lot of people unemployed, a lot of people really finding it very difficult. So I, I think we're still in this big mess. And in the kind of, um, you know, the kind of loony bits of Hollywood where you've got all the film stars and so on, is, is life just going on as though nothing had ever happened? It may in some places, but you know what? You're really finding it in in um, in some of the, the high-end houses, um, which had been in a real bubble, um, a mega bubble, um, those houses are coming down in value very dramatically. Um, expensive boats. Um, the boat market has hit, you know, is basically sinking. Uh, you say it's down by the bows, but uh, it's in big trouble. We've seen, um, you know, very, very expensive um, yachts um, that a few years ago were selling uh, $5 million, $10 million. Um, those, those, those yachts are down in half. And in some places, um, owners are abandoning the yachts because they can't afford to continue to, to carry the cost of, of, of owning them. So I, I think we're starting to see real distress. Uh, commercial real estate, I think, is one of the major themes for next year. Um, it is a, it's an already acknowledged major problem, uh, but I think we're going to see the full impact of that on the banks. Um, right now, I look at um, a couple of different groups. The home builders, for example, um, they look like they're in the act of breaking down. Uh, I look at the REIT stocks, um, especially some of the residential and the office REITs. Um, they look like they're in the and the and I would also add in the retail. Um, retail, I think, is going to be um, just a very very tough go uh, in the next 12 months. And, of course, the banks. Um, today, especially as the S&P is starting down from uh, its recent highs at around 1115, um, we, we can note that uh, you look at some of the European, the large-cap European banks, things like Credit Suisse down about 3%, UBS down about 2%. Um, in, in the U.S., Citicorp down sharply. Uh, a, a lot of different Goldman Sachs. Uh, J.P. Morgan, U.S. Bank. There's a long list of names today um, that are breaking down. Uh, Fifth Third Bank, Zions Bank. Um, I'm seeing major chart breakdowns on a lot of these names, and to me, I think we're we're moving toward um, another major round of banking problems and and write downs, and with that, um, another major episode of damage to uh, confidence in financial markets. Um, what do you make of the fact that uh, a number of stock markets made their high in October, uh, some of the foreign markets, uh, and um, and in fact Japan made its high, I think, in August, and yet um, come November it was just those 
uh, indexes in countries with weaker currencies, i.e. the UK and America, that have continued on upwards. And and within those indexes, um, it's just a few stocks that have pushed the indexes higher, your Googles and your Apples. And uh, behind the scenes, things seem to be breaking down. There's a lot of divergences going on. That's absolutely the case. There's no question about that. Um, yesterday, um, the S&P just recently made a token new high uh, on a closing basis. And some of the technical cases I look at, the McClellan Oscillator for the broad market here in the U.S., um, my short-term ratio of up to down volume, um, they were actually just barely above zero, which tells you that there's almost that the participation has thinned down to the point where it's just a very few names holding up uh, the entire structure. Um, also, um, I keep these medium-term arms indices for the broad market, and they are historic overbought readings. So. Uh, you can couple that with some of the sentiment readings, uh, things like investors' intelligence, which has dropped down to 16.7% uh, bears, um, the lowest value of bears that we have seen in years, um, and also some of the options data uh, from the S&P, which has been heavily skewed now for some time on the call side. Um, you know, to me, uh, internal weakness. Internal weakness is always the first key. When you've got a market going up and, and fewer and fewer stocks are participating, that's a major warning sign. But when you've got that kind of a market and people are getting more enthusiastic about it and they're getting more gung-ho to go in and buy, that's a major warning sign. And that's what we've been seeing over the last few weeks. That's why I think um, the S&P near 1100 is is very close to a major bear market rally high. Dominic, I would I would – really go so far as to say that this high could be very analogous to something like what we saw in April of 1930 after the big crash of, of 1929. Um, the market came back for a number of months and, and peaked in April of 1930. It made this huge secondary high, um, what in Elliott wave terms, terms will be called a B wave high. And from that point, the market rolled over and we began a very long decline. Um, I, I think there's an excellent chance that the S&P will come back down to the 600, 650 area next year. And I think there's also a pretty good chance that we could be looking at the S&P uh, well into the 500s over the next uh, 12 to 18 months. So I think you're looking at another very major decline in global equity markets. Um, and during that period of time, you're going to see a lot of deflationary problems. Um, that's going to spell have a lot of ramifications for other markets as well. Oh dear, nasty picture. It's interesting just comparing uh, 1929, 1930 to now is 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 the the bear market rally's been a almost exact 50% retracement of 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 the crash. And and that's in at the very important area where markets often peak and again in 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 the states and in in the UK um, you're seeing the market having come back into resistance and really um, starting to trace out what looks like a very important top. So to me, that spells trouble, and I see the deterioration in, in the financials uh, leading the way once again on the downside. So I think investors have to be very careful. Right now is a good time to be tightening up stops. Um, one area that I do like, um, people will say, well, where would you put your money? And And one area I would say is, Low-duration bond funds. Uh, we have a lot of these in here in the States. 
Um, and I am not a Bond fan. So for all of the people out there who despise Bonds, let me say right off the bat, I'm with you. I understand it. Uh, I, I am not a big fan of government debt, especially over the long haul. Uh, but I do think for the next eight to nine, maybe ten months, um, there is a little bit more left uh, in the bond bubble. And some of the funds that are low-duration, uh, short-duration bond funds like PIMCO Total Return, Vanguard, Ginnie Mae, Fidelity, Ginnie Mae, um, Janice short-term bond. I think I think some of these funds that tend to deal with uh, relatively short-term paper, most of them are paying out about four to five percent, um, and some of them are annualizing uh, with total return close to six to seven percent. I think that's a place where you can put money right now. Um, it does need active monitoring. In other words, uh, put a 50-day moving average behind it, and as long as it's Living above the 50-day average, you're okay. Uh, but but I think for the time being, um, we've got a couple more months here with low interest rates, and then I think once that period is done, we'll start to move into uh, the next period of inflation and then maybe even runaway inflation. I want to ask about two markets, Frank, before we close. But the, the first sure. of these is it's basically been dollar down everything up um what and if uh, if the dollar goes up everything else goes down what do you make of the dollar at the moment i think the dollar is in a large counter trend bounce it's probably um made an important low in the 72 area which was the vicinity of the low between april and july of 2008 so i think the dollar is going to hold ultimately i'm desperately worried that uh the, you know, one of the things you hear talked about the most is the fact that the U.S. government has this huge flood of debt that it's going to have to roll over in the next 12 months. The deficits are adding to that problem. I, I am very worried that over the next two to three years we will see runaway inflation. Uh, I read John Williams quite a bit over at Shadow uh, Government Statistics, and I think he does excellent work, and I think he's right on the money in the sense that in the next two to four years, um, we could see a, an inflationary blowout um, that would just devastate the dollar and devastate um, a lot of paper money and also bonds. Um, so I, my, I think the big concern here, the really, really major concern for most folks is, is runaway inflation. Um, that said, I'm pretty convinced at the moment that we're going to see one good bout of deflation before we get there. And that's going to take things like gold down, um, you know, off of its highs. Um, we just made a high near 1,200. Um, I, was, I was telling my subscribers that uh, we more likely than not gold was going to peak. It actually pushed up um, for about two to three weeks further than I thought, a good $100 uh, further than I thought. Um, but ultimately, it did make kind of a blow-off spike high, and now we've seen it reverse that. Um, it, dipping very sharply in the last week or two. I think gold will pull back towards the 850 area over the next 10 months, um, essentially roughly equating to the kind of decline we saw between March of, um, of 2008 near 1,000 and the 750 area that it made a bottom in November of 2008. I think you'll see about a 30 to 40% decline in gold off that top tick near 1,200. That'll 
that'll push it down to near 850 um, into maybe August, September of next year. And I think you'll see a rally in the dollar index back up into the low to mid 80s over the same period of time. So the dollar gets maybe one more reprieve in here. Um, U.S. long-term interest rates um, can come back up and match the highs that they made in December or maybe closely approach those highs uh, of November, December 2008. That would produce a long-term double top in bond prices and a double bottom in yields, and that's typically the way um, markets can peak on a major trend basis. Um, it's, it's funny right now. Um, the one thing that everybody knows is that rates should be rising because the U.S. government has this huge supply of demand coming next year, and I think right now that's just too broadly understood um, I think rates will fool people for a while as equity markets roll over and um, we'll see a, a nice rally in bond prices and a decline in yields. And then once that's concluded, I think you'll see uh, real havoc in the bond markets. I think that will be uh, just a disaster from that point forward. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about gold, Frank, just a little bit more about sure, gold sure. and why you've turned bearish on it. I mean, I, I, I know you've said longer term in, in your kind of hyperinflationary scenario, you want, to own, you want to own gold and virtually nothing else. Right, um, right. Gold has this um, kind of repeating pattern that it's made where it makes a six to nine month up move and then it consolidates for a kind of year year, year to 18 months and then it has another six to nine month up move. And it, it's kind of repeated that pattern since you know, 2001. And within each six to nine month up move, it's kind of had a nasty 10% uh, correction right slap bang in the middle. Um, right. Is what we've seen over the last fortnight just not a repeat of that? And we're headed to kind of, I don't know, 1400 uh, in the spring. I don't think so. And I could be wrong. And, you know, if I am wrong, I'll be the first one to admit it. Um, I, I think, though, in looking at what we saw in October and in November, it, it did get a tiny, tiny bit uh, bubbly in there in the sense that we saw really massive speculation all on one side, all long on gold. Um, and just one day, um, the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, gold traded on the GLD ETF. It traded $128 million worth of dollar call volume against $12 million worth of dollar put volume, so a 10 to 1 ratio and over $100 million in, in volume in one day, that's 50% of what it did in an entire quarter, be it the second quarter or the third quarter. And in just four days in that period from Thanksgiving to uh, the, the early part of um, December, gold traded uh, an entire quarter's worth of, uh, of, of dollar call volume on GLD. So you did have this really huge speculative element that came into the market, and I think that's going to, uh, that's going to yield a multi-month correction in, in tandem with a rise in the dollar. I think this is going to look a lot like 2008. Um, you know, the other alternative for gold would be maybe some kind of high-level consolidation where the gift-back isn't as deep, but it just it trades in a sort of giant sideways fashion for a period of a, a number of months. Um, but I would point out that in a real turn towards inflation, um, silver has historically always led gold. And in this last push-up, 
you know, a lot of people are saying, well, the Fed is pumping all this liquidity. Um, the Fed has created all these dollars where the equity market is responding to that by surging and it's, it's heralding a reinflationary period. Uh, if that were true, silver should have been outperforming gold strongly, uh, in my opinion, over the last six to nine months. But silver was not able to make new highs above its March-April 2008 highs. And over the last few months, silver was lagging gold in a kind of chronic fashion on a relative strength basis. Um, it has also rolled over and already broken its rising trend. So what I see here is, is, uh, is a metals complex that looks like it has peaked. Um, and I think the mining stocks are going to come back up to their former highs. They're also going to sell off. I think right now is a good time for people to be largely in cash. I would not say to someone who's got, let's say, for example, gold coins, go out and sell your gold coins because that's really a whole horse of a different color. You have liquidity issues and things like that. But if you have gold ETFs or gold mutual funds, right now is a great time to tighten up some stops, raise some cash. And if we do get the setback, you'll be able to put more money in at better prices and uh, and just add to your portfolio holdings. Um, so, how will you know? How will you know if you're wrong on this call on gold, Frank? Well, I, I don't expect. I, I think, really honestly, I think all of these markets have been moving together, and I think the stock market is very close to an important breakdown. So, I'm going to watch over the next two to three, four weeks and see if the S&P really begins to take out 1085 on the downside. Um, as far as I'm concerned, um, the last 10 days since gold has come off its high at 1200 it's dropped about $100. It has had no bounce, no ability to rally. Um, that really tells me right off the bat that I, I think it, it's acting markedly different. It looks like a market that's gone through a spike high and, and is in the act of selling off. Um, if we were to close below um, 108, 50, 109 on the GLD, and I'll use that just because everybody has access to that. That's a widely watched ETF here in the States that tracks gold. It's just one-tenth the price of gold. Um, if we could close below 108.5, that's the 50-day average. A break below that would probably target all the way back down towards 100, which is 1,000 on the gold price. And uh, you know, I think I think that's the next stop to watch uh, to see if um, see if gold actually can. It, it has been unable to mount a rally uh, in the last ten days, and and that's in the face of what was a pretty good oversold reading. That's that's not a good sign. So I think people should understand that all of these markets, whether it's emerging market bonds, emerging market equities, corporate bonds. Gold, silver, U.S. equities, international equities, they've been moving together as one market, and opposite to that have been bonds and the dollar. And I think right now we've just come to an inflection point where that's all going to change. You're going to see a dollar rally, you're going to see bond prices rally, and some of the commodity markets are going to come off. Look at oil, by the way, also. Oil has been unable to uh, really mount any kind of a bounce in the last two weeks. It's come off its highs in a big way, and it looks like it's heading lower. Well, absolutely fascinating stuff, and uh, I love hearing you talk, Frank, and I, I love your kind of technical view of the markets. Um, if somebody wants to sign up for your newsletter, how, how do they do that? Dominic, well, that's very, thank you again for having me on, and if they are interested, um, they can send me an email at uh, frankbgst 
at AOL.com. That's Frank, B as in Barbera, G as in Gold, S as in Stock, T as in Technician. That's the Gold Stock Technician newsletter, and we'll be happy to send them out uh, a free copy of the letter, the latest report, and they can uh, read all about our, our economic and market views. Last question for you, Frank. Do you, do you ever kind of buy and sell junior miners? Is that a, is that a game you're into at all? I'm I'm fascinated by juniors, uh, Dominic. I, I I spend a lot of time uh, studying and reading about them, and I and by all means, I definitely buy them. I think they're a, a a wonderful array of junior fine junior mining companies out there. Um, but again, I think uh, if we get into a deflationary um, spiral and you know, one of the other things I just add to it that you don't see right now is bank lending. Um, right now, consumer credit is contracting. Banks are not lending. All of that Fed liquidity that has been created in the last few months, it's basically locked up in the banking system. It's not seeping out into the broad economy. If it were, then you would be getting inflation. But the fact that what basically banks are doing is they're playing the carry trade they're turning to their deposit base and giving them nothing in the way of interest rates, basically taking that deposit base capital, investing it in bonds at three and a half, four percent rates, earning the spread, and they're trying to basically earn their way out from under these losses. And that's the game plan as long as it takes. That's why I don't think you're going to see Ben Bernanke lifting interest rates. I don't think you're going to see the U.K. tightening credit either. They have crippled banks. The banking system in both company, countries is, is badly crippled, and the only way out here is to try and earn their way out over time and, and take these write-offs in more measured doses, and that, that's what's going on. And, uh, and as a result, I think what's going to have to happen is um, that more likely than not, it will be acute deflation as the global economic pie shrinks it will put tension between countries. Somebody somewhere will blink. Maybe it's Greece, maybe it's some Eastern European country, but somebody at some point will get to the point where they can't take it and they will devalue. And maybe at that point, that's when you'll start uh, a currency contagion that could go global and could usher in uh, a new era of hyperinflation. But my bet right now is it'll be extreme deflation that actually breeds runaway inflation. Um, I don't think that the forces that be are, are going to let that money bleed, bleed into the economy right now. I mean, I happen to like junior mining stocks immensely. And um, even though in the case of, say, a gold explorer, you'd think that the underlying asset behind the company is their gold rock that they've got in the ground. But in many sure. cases, that's not the case. They're actually like junior financial stocks, and they sink or swim by the amount of capital they can raise and what price they raise the capital at. That's the, that's the key piece. If, 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 if you get into a really tough environment, they have to dilute and they have to raise more capital. They don't have cash flow. Um, you know, the stocks can drop like a rock. I love them. I think at the right time, they're going to be the place to be. I think you're going to see a mania in those stocks uh, somewhere out here in the next two to three years. I just think 
Um, we're a little bit early, and therefore I am going to be keeping my eye on them uh, like a hawk over the next few months. I don't want to miss it if they start to go up, but for right now, I think it's a good time to uh, nail down some gains at the very least, uh, set in some stop losses, and, and kind of control your risk. All right. Frank, thanks very much, and, and, uh, and, and do talk to us again soon. Happy Christmas. Take care. You too. Happy holidays. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 